growing your beauty business doesn't have to be overwhelming. It's all about mastering a few key strategies and systems to save you time. Welcome to Beauty Marketing Simplified, a podcast dedicated to helping you on your entrepreneurial journey. I'm your host, April Meese. I'm a permanent cosmetic artist that built my six-figure business while only working three days a week and raising twin toddlers. I'm here to tell you it is possible for you too. With a background in spa marketing, it's my mission to help women worldwide get more profits while pursuing their passion and purpose. Let's transform your beauty business for more income and less stress starting right now. Okay, guys, we are here for another exciting episode and we're doing our Beauty Boss series. So we're continuing that to give you some inspiration and really hear the behind the scenes of how these beauty bosses grew their business and know that you can do it too. And we are here with Miriam Grice Richardson, and she is a permanent makeup artist. And we're going to hear her journey, super successful and had to have her on because she has a fantastic story too that I know you'll want to hear. So Miriam, welcome. Thanks for being here. And so tell them, tell everyone a little bit of how you got introduced to permanent makeup or What was that journey like that brought you there? Okay, so I started doing regular beauty treatments when I was like 18. And I I loved it. I loved all of it. But I always knew that I was never like massage and facials and things weren't my thing. It wasn't, I didn't really enjoy it. But I loved applying makeup to all the weddings and the brides. And I did a lot of electrolysis. So I knew I had the fine point needlework. And I just enjoyed the more technical side of the beauty world. So I think I was 19 and we went to a beauty exhibition. Obviously, all the big companies come and they set the stalls out and demonstrate new treatments. And permanent makeup, when I was 19, um, was very much in its infancy. I don't even think at that time, I don't think the digital machines were even being displayed. It was all these little rotary pens. But because I was always into makeup, and even as a teenager, I'd sit for hours playing with makeup. I knew that was my thing. And then I didn't feel the beauty kind of facials and stuff was enough for me. It didn't stretch me enough. So I saw um, permanent makeup being demonstrated at a beauty exhibition. And I was like, that's right up my street. Though at the time, it wasn't big treatment. It wasn't very well known in the industry. I knew it was something that really I would have to push within the salon where I worked. Um, so I signed up like there and then it was um, a really small company that doesn't even exist now. Yeah, I know so many people. So I started around 2003 and I know a lot of my friends at that time were also doing electrolysis and yeah. permanent makeup. Like those two always went together for some reason. I like you did esthetician first yeah. and facials and so forth. But I know that definitely if you can do that fine needle work and of course, you know, back then there wasn't popular, you know, treatments and press that we have now, right? It wasn't like the media wasn't talking about it. So it's really like a leap of faith. So you definitely had to have a passion for it. Yeah. So you started doing it. How did you get the word out? Like, how did you tell people that you were doing it or how did you promote yourself? Initially, we had a a salon, a beauty salon within me and my mom and my sister had a salon. And so it was purely just localized to the client base that we had because I was passionate about it, I would talk about it to every client that came in and really, as you do, you push it, you sell it. And I got clients, but my skill set was very much in its infancy. (laughs) 
Um, I never, there were never any disasters or anything like that. But looking back now, 20 years on, we all looked at, we had early work and things. Um, so over that five-year period, I was just never happy with my work. Never happy really with the foundationals that I'd trained in. And I just thought, but look at this and look at that. I'm looking at other people's work online. But I have to say, there was no social media back then, no Facebook, nothing like that. So it was all Google. I'm very much a perfectionist so I was like I want to be better I want to be better so I was I did invest in other courses and just still wasn't happy so I've done lots of other courses but that will I'm sure you'll ask me about that so eventually I think after about five six years we sold the salon my children were getting to school age um, my mum had gone through breast cancer so the salon was too much of a commitment so I thought, right, get rid of the salon and I'll just focus on permanent makeup and really, really make it work. So then I started to contact salons in different areas. So I'm in, you won't know, I'm in Leeds, in Yorkshire. So I contacted different salons in different towns around Yorkshire saying, I do permanent makeup, can I come and see you? So I really had to get off my bum and make it happen, you know? And it just went from there. Um everything kind of just I was really lucky I do believe in timing I hit the timing just right the timing with regards to the trends um before it became popular um I hit everything at the right time and it just grew and grew and grew so yeah yeah Yeah, that's such a key point because you know there's that expression and I'm not sure who is I've heard different people like Tiger Woods get quoted you know with a quote, like him get credited with the quote, but the quote is something like that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And so you were prepared, then definitely the timing was right. The opportunity was right, but you have to be prepared ahead of time to be able to take that opportunity. And I think what's really interesting is, and just a point is that, you know, you went for it, right? You have to yeah. in definitely in having, you know, an entrepreneur career, you have to just go for things. You got to take the risk. You got to, and you even like looking and evaluating, like what's not working. The big salon was too much. Let's Ooh. just, you know, cut to just me doing what I love to do. And, and so I think those are some really good lessons. Like for the listeners, obviously the lesson is, you know, keep evaluating what's working, what sometimes just are in the business and it's draining them and they've got this operation, you know, that is not really what they they wanted, but they felt like they should have, right? Yeah. You know, and you thought, oh, the way to make more money is you have to just, it has to be bigger and bigger and bigger. And sometimes that's no. not really the way, right? And no. so you evaluated. And then the other thing is that you were, you had the preparation to take advantage of the timing. So I love that. When you look back do you, and of course, like it's always hindsight that we can see the steps along the way. Was there a moment, like a pivotal time that really helped to propel? Like, was there a, like a big springboard or was it just a slow growth? There were a few things. I think obviously we've talked about timing. I hit it at the right time. And the fact that at one point I had 15 clinics um, on my list of locations. And so I was hitting all the main towns in Yorkshire. That really helped to get my name out there. And then also another thing, my partner at the time, he was in SEO, uh, which is search engine optimization. So he sorted out a website, which was my first website. It was just really basic. Um, But he was really, really good and is gifted with um, search engine optimization. So he got me ranking at the top um, in the Leeds area for um, permanent makeup and various keywords. 
Um, and so I was really lucky with that and that um, he worked with that. And that really helped. So in the infancy of permanent makeup, it was just the buzz was just starting to, you know, rise. I got the website, I got the location so all the time. And so, yeah, the website and making sure that I had the locations um, to get my name out there, it, it just kind of really kick-started them. Yeah. And now did you travel and do permanent makeup at those locations or those were just referral partners? No, I traveled to them. Yeah. But it got to the point. So I did that for a few years, but it got to the point where I just the time that it would take me to get to the other side of Yorkshire, 45 minutes to an hour, I could have done a client. I just got busier and busier. And my waiting list was like nine months long. And I was like, this is silly. So I just then thought, right. And it was scary because I thought oh what if clients won't travel to me you always worried making changes but I thought right I'm just going to rent now um I didn't invest in a big salon of my own you know I could have done um I thought no I'm just going to get a nice room make it look nice um so I got a room in a hair salon um that was my first settling point and all my clients yeah it felt like I could have worked in my garden shed and they would have come you know, because once they develop a trust in you, they, they, most clients are quite loyal. So it worked. Yeah, I, I, that's the best thing about this industry because it is there is a high trust commitment. You know, a lot of people feel that with their hairstylist and they don't want to go to another hairstylist. I know like my mother-in-law, she stays loyal to the same hairstylist and even you know, she moved states and then would still travel, you know, <laughs> get there. You know, people very and definitely with their face, right? And permanent makeup. So, but I want to just point out a few things that I love about your story. And that is that one, you were because a lot of times I think that beauty professionals think, okay, right, I need to get a salon and set up shop. And so they take on this big expense and then they're panicked. Yeah, they're yeah. panicked to find the clients. And what you did is you said, okay, where are the clients? And you yeah. went to them, yeah. right? For the audience, for the listener, you guys go to, if you're struggling with you know, your own business, then go to where other people have a loyal following. They already have an audience of your clients, right? And yeah. so get those. I did the same thing. I actually was working. I had my own little office that I rented space on the weekend. And then I was, you know, I'd go to the dermatologist office and I had another office space that I went to. And so I was kind of splitting my time, but then trying to keep my own just a little space on the weekend until I was able to have something full-time. So, and you started small, which again, people, they have, I think I often use the analogy that beauty professionals, they want, like they dream of the wedding and they don't yeah. think about the marriage. So they dream of like the big office space and decorating it. And they don't think about running the business. I think my thing is I'd already done that. We'd had a salon before and we know how hard it is. We had like, I don't know, if we had quite a big salon. We had like 10 girls working for us and the, the stress and the overheads. And, and I, we came, we left that behind. And I thought, I actually don't ever want to employ anybody again. <laughs> um, because it's, I can make sure that the quality of work I produce is at a certain standard and it's harder to ensure that that happens with somebody else. And then you've got the headache of correction and if someone's off poorly and then all the bills and the stock. And I just thought, no, I just want to keep it simple um, and focus. And when you focus on too many things, you spread yourself too thin and you're not, you know, so yeah, that's yeah. why I- Yeah, that's so funny because I have a similar story where I also 
started to go down the path where I took on students and interns and, you know, employees and things like that. And then I decided to bring it all back down small again, because it just became just too much. And a lot of people that works out for them, they, they like to have a big staff and have a big team, but it's really just kind of finding what works for you. And experience tells you that, right? So I know people who have done that and made a success of it, and I'm not taking it away from them. I think you've got to really assess who you are as a person, what your strengths are, your stress levels. Um, I had two young children throughout all of it. Um, I'm now a single mum of two teenagers. And so now I know my limits. Um, I know my priorities. And I'm, I'm glad that I've done it that way because that's what works for my personality. So Yeah, yeah, so good. So you found what works for you. So then you're out on your own and your business starts to grow. And you mentioned in terms of marketing, you had someone that helped you with getting a nice website and the SEO, which is really key. I think, you know, now sometimes so many people focus on just like social media and they get, they get on that like content, I call it content hamster wheel, right? Like the hustle hamster wheel, but they don't have like some key strategies. And SEO is one of those key foundational strategies. So you had that going for you. Were there yeah. any other marketing things that you did at that time? In those days, no. I think um, Instagram and Facebook were very kind of new. I think even if they'd, I don't even know if they were a thing then. Um, I've always said in the beauty industry that flyers never really, I never found really made a difference. It's got to be the best thing is word of mouth. So if I invested more time in more time and money in training and perfecting my craft because I, I, I saw that that then brought me recommendations in. So it was worth that investment as opposed to printing a thousand flyers and leaflet dropping. I mean, we did that in the salon in the early days for regular beauty treatments and it didn't really bring anything. So I knew it wasn't going to do anything permanent makeup because it's obviously such a more risky technical treatment. It had to be. Trust is the big thing. And so recommendation encourages trust. And I knew yeah. that that would that was the way forward. Yeah. And it sounded like from what you said earlier that you were okay with promoting yourself because so many, you know, that you were able to talk about your services and really get it out there. And I think a lot of the beauty professionals now that are starting, they, I hear them often say, a lot of my students will say like, oh, I don't want to talk about myself or I don't want to impose or I don't want to brag or all of these. Like, And I'm like, you got to get your name out there. You, you know, if you, don't, if you don't believe in it and you don't talk about it, who will? Absolutely. Anything. So, so as well as like selling the treatment, you've got to sell yourself because someone buys into you and your confidence, your skills, your experience, your ability, not just, oh, this is the product. No, they buy into you and trust you. So that there's people that are just starting out, fake it till you make it, you know, put the smile on and, and talk to somebody like, you know exactly what you're talking about. Even if you doubt yourself, if you want that customer to really trust you, You've got to talk about it like you are an expert, even if you've been doing it six months. You've yeah. really sell that and that works. Yeah, for sure. And now looking back, is there something that you'd say, oh, I wish I would have known this, or this is what I would tell you know, myself in the early days, or this is what I would tell my younger self. Is there something that you said, I think, oh, I wish I would have known this? I think I was trying to think about this before. I can't really think. I think... In terms of maybe something that I've struggled with is time management. Um, I got to a point where I would tattoo for six hours straight, come home, 
and I, my two children would be like, mum, what's for tea? Mum, can I have a drink? Mum, this, mum, that. And then I had a list of emails, phone calls, text messages. I had photos to produce and I just couldn't do it all. I was spinning too many plates. So and then I got a PA, someone that handled all my diaries, my accounts, my everything. So I could just focus on the work, come home and then put the mum hat on. And I postponed that for a long time because I didn't want to let go of the reins because I thought, oh, but what if she doesn't answer that correctly? What if she doesn't forget to do this? And sometimes they do. Other people do make mistakes. It's human nature. But when I let go of the reins a little bit and just exhaled, I realised that even with the odd mistake, it's worth it because I had quality of life. It did get to a point where I just, I was on my knees. I was just so busy. So hopefully everybody will get successful and busy, but just monitor work-life balance um, because I'm a big believer in not um, having your priorities right, you know? So that's the only thing I could think of on reflection, really. Yeah. And was she an assistant that was in-house or was she a virtual assistant or how did she work for you? Home, worked from home. So I, you know, I got on a laptop, phone, um, card machine, and we spoke out, we texted all day, every day. But she had access. So obviously, it's someone that you, um, it needs to be somebody that you trust because she had access to my bank accounts to make sure that deposits were coming in. And I had to kind of bring her up to speed with the treatments as well. So that took her a while to kind of get to grips with terminology. And because you do always get clients who are like, I know you said that they peel off and they go a little bit lighter, but get those. And I just got so sick of those messages. (laughs) So to have somebody else be able to reassure the client. So it took her a while to get to that point, but um, it's invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's funny because I always tell my students the same thing. Like if you can start with a virtual assistant, you know, you can get a virtual assistant even in another country, like, Philippines or India for three to five dollars an hour. So, you know, in terms of pounds, it's like, you know, two to four pounds an hour. Like you can't beat that, right? Like the amount of work that they can do for answering emails, for posting your social media, for all of the things that you don't like to do that are kind of like low value tasks, but need to be done. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And that are repetitive, right? Are the parts that kind of drain you so that you can then focus your energy on the stuff that's really making the money or that's really important, right? It's so good. Yeah. And people always feel like, I love that you said that you realize that you did it because a lot of times people realize like too late, right? Where they're way past burnout and they're ready to just throw the whole thing out, right? You know, the baby out with the bathwater, as they say, they're just like done with it. And so it's like, if you know, if you can almost get started with an assistant before it's time, it will help you so much. I think that sounds like that was a key pivotal yeah. moment in your business as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so bring us up to present day. What's happening now? How's the business? What changes have you made? So I, there's so many things that I could do with it. But again, I'm, you know me and I know my stress levels um, and what I'm happy work-life balance. So I've, from that little hair salon, I moved um, to a beautiful big salon and had a gorgeous room. I stayed there for a good few years. Um, I've since in April moved to an aesthetics clinic and academy. Um, so the girl, the lady that runs that Caroline Hall, 
fantastic esthetician. She's um, gives me Botox for years and everything. And she was like, so we were talking over lockdown and for various reasons. Um, so I've now moved with her. I have another huge big room. And with permanent makeup kind of fits more in line with the with aesthetics as opposed to regular beauty. Um, I have in the pipeline a few things. Um, I won't say just what um, what it is just yet. Um, but because it's all about timing for me, a lot of people have done things in the industry and gone in different directions. And I could have done a long time ago because I had a loyal client base. I have a, a decent sized following. So I know whatever I kind of introduce, it probably do well. Um, but it's got it's all about timing and balance. So um a few years ago, me and an artist you'll know Courtney Stevens. Yes. I love Courtney. So we tattooed each other and she was like, she came up with the idea of doing a joint masterclass with eyeliners. So I think it was 2017 or 18 we had the idea. I'd just come back from Estonia and nobody was doing the shaded eyeliner technique back then in the UK. Um, Maybe one or two, but it wasn't a big thing. And I really wanted to be good at it. I wanted to be the best or whatever at the time. So I thought, right, so I contacted Oksana Martinenko in Estonia and I flew there and I did um, a weekend's class with her. Came back and I was flying with shaded eyeliners and there wasn't, I don't think many other people doing it at the time. Courtney um, had really excelled in her type of eyeliner as well. At the time, a few years ago, eyeliners, all permanent makeup artists were struggling with. They just couldn't get it. And me and Courtney at the time felt that we'd really like nailed it um and we thought there's something in this because it's a weak point within um in your treatment portfolio for all artists so we decided to put together a joint master class nobody else at the time were doing joint master classes so and especially in the one treatment that everybody used to struggle in which was eyeliner so um we had huge success that was a couple of years ago uh, we had artists coming from all over the world we had south africa america Belgium, Ireland, France, all over, and within the UK as well. It was fantastic. Such a good couple of years. We did lots of classes. Um, but then we kind of, I think every thing, project in the industry has a shelf life. And I think it kind of had its day. So we wrapped it up and said, right, okay, we've done enough now. And then obviously other artists now teach similar things that we, you know, taught. Um, so I'm really, really proud of that, that you know, we travelled, we invested, we nailed a technique and then sold it on and did really kind of well with that. Um, I've done one permanent makeup artist of the year um, in 2016, a few years back. And then since that award, I've then judged most years on the panel of people who entered and done lots of demonstrations and things at exhibitions. So, yeah, so I've just been rolling with it. What do you love most? Licks, I think. Mm. Lick, think. It's just so glam. You know, the final result? I like all eyes, brows and lips, but I just love a set of lips, you know, and it's fresh off the needle and plump. Yeah. What do you yeah. love? I go back and forth, but I think scar camouflage has just been recently, like, before, I guess I'd look at it like, oh, this is coming in. And now I look at it as, oh, this is coming in. Like, what is it going to be? You know, whether it's, you know, I had someone that had, I can't think of the term of it. It's like 
hypoxia. It's basically when they're in the toes, when they're, when they wear shoes that are too tight and they lose the pigment in their toes because of the oxygen to their skin. And so we did that and just, you know, anything that's kind of odd, <laughs> just this, maybe because I'm also into the story that goes with it. Like, you know, it's fascinating to me. And so, cause every scar has a story. And so, yeah, so I'm kind of into that right now. I've never done yeah. this thing or the, or the nipple um, tattoo. Do you do that as well? Yeah. I mean, I don't do a lot of it. I've, you know, I've done some of it. At one point I, I was working with in New York city, like uh, there's lots of hotels, obviously. And mm. so all the concierge, I'm going to work with the organization of all the concierge and their breast cancer survivors. All right. the, yeah. But then with all the insurance that was involved in it, it was a lot of red tape. And so insurance here in the US can be just a pain going through all of that. And so mm. I prefer not to do that. And so I'll have like one or two come across, you know, every now and then not, I don't do a lot of areola, but a few here and there. And that's good. As long as I don't have to deal with the insurance, as long as they'll take care of that part, then I'm all good. Yeah. 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 And so you're here now, when you look back, what advice would you give to an artist that maybe is just starting or maybe an artist that is kind of struggling, that is like, oh, it's just not happening as fast as they want it to happen or just feels a little down. What, what advice would you give to them? Drawing, understanding design and really just observing and, and seeing how colour shading can, you know, just really getting back to basics. Yeah. And also another thing, I think a lot of people struggle with accuracy in the beginning. That just comes with practice. You can't you can't beat practice. Really, really focus on. So I remember I used to like get my practice pads out of pigskin, so we used to go to butchers and get pigskin. And I would draw a wiggly line and I would bring my kit home and my needle and I would tattoo really, really slowly, so accurately on that wiggly line, um, and just do that over and over and over. And the more Obviously, repetition is breeds success. And so just do it over and over, night after night after night. And I started to get to grips more, understand the handpiece more, understand, learn how it feels, you know, when you push deeper. Only fractionally, you know, as you know, you can fractionally push a little deeper and you need to learn how that feels, that vibration. And that just comes through repetition. So take your kit home, get some pigskin and slow down and practice accuracy start to feel the vibrational differences and draw do makeup I remember at the time I was like drawing eyebrows on my ex-partner at the time and he loved it so <laughs> Just funny practice and get get back to basics um, yeah. because you find once once those skills are in place you can then expand and go yeah. further and what's your favorite machine needle and pigment line at the minute, I know it's always at the minute. <laughs> changes, doesn't it? Um, at the minute, my favorite pigment line is Hanami. Um, it took a while to get used to because I've used Permablend for so long. It's completely different to Permablend, mm. but I love it with the Hanami pigments. You can literally see each particle as it, it's so thin and watery, um, and it comes back. It comes back lighter than what Permablend does. Permablend holds quite well. So it's you've got to really do a, quite a few treatments to learn how they heal. But you can actually see each little um, pixel. I wow. love the way that they go. 
And my favourite machine at the minute is the Spectra Direct 2. Um, it's fantastic. It converts from conventional needle to cartridges. I love it. Spectra Direct yeah. 2. And your favourite go-to needle? Oh, one point every time. Um, at the minute, I'm just using Quadrant needles. I know there's lots and lots of one-point needles um, from different suppliers. I'm one of these over the years. Obviously, I've spent thousands on lots of different machines as we all do and I got sucked in by it thinking oh I need a such and such I need a such and such I didn't there are so many one point needles out there at the minute I'm sure there's some really good ones but at the minute I'm quite happy with the results I'm getting with the quadrant needles so I'm sticking with those for now so I'm even down to a brand of needles I won't just jump on it because that's the buzz needle at the minute the, and that that's another bit of advice I'd give. Don't get too sucked in by what social every, what everybody's doing on social media. Everybody's using this particular brand of needles or this machine or that machine. Get good with what you've got in your kit first. And then if you really, really genuinely feel that your utensils are limiting your results, then think about investing in something else. But I think any needle, any machine in the right hands can produce beautiful results. I remember being at a conference and this is, you know, oh, I think this was like 2000 and I don't know, seven or eight. And I don't know if you have heard of Val Glover Hoven. She's in Australia yeah. and she yeah. was talking about how she learned with a needle, almost like a sewing needle on a bamboo, like chopstick thread and a single point. And that's how she learned. And she was talking about, you know, all the machines and how people are, you know, always talking about the machine and this and that. And she said, you could give me that to this day and I could go back and still tattoo a beautiful set of lips. And at that time, if you remember, of course, like single needle was not that popular, not like it is now. Like, and I was, just in awe watching her do all of her, cause that's how she learned. And that's how she did all this beautiful work. And I was like, it would take me for, I remember thinking it would take me forever to do, you know, lips with a single needle, like pointillism and little ovoids yeah. and all of this. And, yeah. and she did it like that. She actually did it well and had amazing color retention. And of course that was way back then. And very few people were really into it then. And just to think about how ahead of her time she was, but more so that the lesson is like you just said, if you're good at it, it you can work with, you know, whatever you work with, if you'll get good yeah. at it, then yeah. you'll be able to master it. So I've not had big struggles as such. I think just, I wish at the time when I was 19, I wish that I'd maybe, cause it was, I think at, at that particular beauty exhibition, there was three companies advertising and selling the permanent makeup courses and they were all pretty small demonstrations and exhibition um, stands I went with the wrong one <laughs> and I really wish I didn't necessarily go on price either because they were all a similar sort of price but it was the one that had the biggest stand with the brightest coloured banner the woman with the best sales technique that approached me and said, come watch us, you know, can we help you? And I just got, I was 19, so I got sucked into it. That particular company didn't last very long. The other two companies, which weren't as uh, alluring, are still standing today. 
uh, producing better permanent makeup artists. So I really should have maybe looked at the other stands first. So what I would say is don't just jump into something because it's got you know the best sign or flashing lights or yeah, looks really professional on the on the surface of it, whether it's a training course or a machine or or a particular needle choice. Don't just invest in it because everybody else is or because the sign's the brightest. It's important to really look and think, right, I'm going to look at this, I'm going to look at this. You know, look at all your options first because I wasted a fair few thousand on that course um, and didn't do it for a year. And then I had to go invest further on different yeah. Looking back, I should have taken my time before jumping in. Yeah, yeah. We've all made those, I don't want to say bad investments because they're all lessons learned, but just <laughs> times where you're just like, oh, maybe could have, would have, should have done the other. So yeah. 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 Okay. So how can everyone connect with you? Where can they find you? Give us all the information. Um, Instagram, uh, miriam.spmu, at miriam.spmu. Um, on my Facebook, it's Miriam Grice Richardson. Okay, great. Yeah, guys. So if you're listening to this, then take a screenshot, share it in your stories, tag us and uh, let us know what part you found the most value from and let uh, Miriam know what part was most inspirational for you. Cause it's a great story of really just, again, you know, listening to all of the takeaways and finding what's going to resonate with you. Right. And hearing how she persevered, hearing how, again, she continued to pivot and grow in her business to help her get where she is today, because it's never a straight line. Like it's always <laughs> a bit of a curvy journey um, that brings you here. And then my final question, Miriam, is what brings you joy? What brings me joy? Work-life balance. <laughs> I love self-improvement. It makes me feel good. Um, and then also just spending time with the people that I love, my close friends and my, my children um, and holidays. We've not, had, we've not had a holiday in a while. Oh, I'm I know. Soon. I think it's coming soon. Yeah. hope so. Yeah, that's so good. Oh, so thank you so much for sharing your story and really so many great points. And I love that. And we'll continue to watch your journey and everyone will connect with you. And it's been great. So thank you so much for taking thank the time. You for having me. <laughs> yes. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Beauty Marketing Simplified Podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love to hear from you. Make sure you subscribe, download, and also leave us a review. Let us know any topics that you would like to hear about and also definitely refer it to a friend. Thank you again for joining us. I'm signing off. This is April with Grit and Grace, hugs and high fives. See you next week. Oh.